0: Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter, chapter 9, and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As it's my privilege to resume my ministry in this pulpit and in this place, I felt that there was nothing that we could do which would be more profitable to us than to look at this statement, which is one of these grand statements in which we are held face to face, with the very essence of the gospel, and the whole purpose of the gospel. Here in this picture, in this brief compass, we are reminded of the fundamental essentials of the message of the Christian gospel, and I want to call your attention to that. Never, perhaps, was there a greater need for doing that than there is at the present time. People often ask the question, there are probably thousands in this very city tonight who would regard us doing what we are doing at this moment as being fools. What are you doing it for, they'd say? How irrelevant it is in this world as it is this evening. Well, I'm here just to show you. That far from being irrelevant, this is the most relevant thing of everything. Here we are told why we should preach this gospel and why we should listen to it. Now, there are, as I say here before us, all these great essentials. There are certain things that strike one immediately on the very surface of this passage. Listen to this one about whom we are reading. When he saw the multitudes, he looked at them, the masses of men and women like ourselves. He looked round at them as we might look at the masses of people here in this great city of London this evening, or as we might try and look round the whole world and see its teeming masses of people. But he has a different way of looking at people and of seeing people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Ah, As I'm going to try to show you, this service is being held at this moment because of that. There'd be no such thing as a Christian church if it were not for that. Because here, you see, we are looking at someone who is unique. Here is somebody looking at the world's problems, who's unlike everybody else who's ever been in it. You look at him and you apparently see nothing but a man, Jesus of Nazareth, a man who'd worked as a carpenter. Well, who is he to look round upon the multitudes in this way? Ah, that's the whole secret. And that's why this is a gospel and why it is different from everything else. It's the speaker that matters. It's the one who looks... At the problem and at the situation and at the people. For our claim is this, that this is none other than the Son of God. Do you wonder why you should listen to this gospel? There's your answer. You are going to listen tonight not to what any man thinks about the world and its needs and its problem. Are we not all very tired of doing that? We hear them on the wireless, we see them on the television, we read their speeches in our newspapers. Aren't you tired of it all? It doesn't seem to lead to anything. Well, what you're going to do this evening is to listen to what the Son of God says. You see, there is a unique authority about this. I'm not here to voice my own opinions. This book is not the opinions of men. This claims to be the word of God. And here was someone standing and looking at the masses, the multitudes of people. And he saw something that nobody had ever seen before. And he was able to do something about it that no one else had ever done or ever could do. That's the message of the gospel. Very well, let's go on. That's the thing we observe at once. The uniqueness of this person Who stands and looks upon the multitude. But the second thing that we notice here is this that what we have here is the only true word about our human predicament and about the human situation. That's the second characteristic of this message, this gospel. It's the uniqueness and the unique authority of the speaker. Yes, but there is an honesty and a truth about what he says which you never find anywhere else. Let me summarize this hurriedly by putting it like this. My contention is as a preacher of this gospel that there is nothing else in the world this evening that tells us the truth about ourselves and our present position but this. All those that came before me, he said, were thieves and robbers. We can add they were also liars. It's not true. What men are saying is not true. They don't understand. The only truth is the truth that we find here that is spoken to us plainly, bluntly, clearly, without any pretense and without any covering. So here's a second reason for listening. People say that when they go to a doctor about their health, don't they? Whether they always mean it or not is another matter, but they like to say it. They say, tell me the truth, doctor. Don't keep anything back. I want to know the worst. Well, it's a very sensible thing in many ways. A man who deliberately wants to be fooled is nothing but a fool. Tell me the truth. Very well, the gospel tells us the truth about ourselves and about the entire human situation. That's a good reason for listening to it. In days when there's so much sham and make-belief and lying and half-truth. Oh, I say it's a wonderful thing to know that you're confronting not only unvarnished truth, but at the same time the truth of God. And then the third and last general characteristic to which I call attention this evening in passing is this. That here, you know, is our only comfort. And our only hope. We know all about the way in which men look at the multitudes and at the human situation, don't we? But there's no comfort there. There's no hope. None at all. The world's beginning to see that at long last. It doesn't see it yet as it should, but it's beginning to see it. We are looking at this gospel and we are listening to it. Because it is, as I'm going to show you, literally, actually, the only comfort. The only hope, oh, I know of nothing that so comforts me at this moment as just this. I'm one of this great multitude of people in the world, but here's my comfort. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Very well, my dear friend. Had you realized those general truths about this gospel? Had you realized its unique authority? Had you realized who this person is? Had you realized the truth about yourself? Have you, in other words, and here's the best test of all, have you got the comfort? Have you got the consolation? How do you feel tonight? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about the whole world, its present situation? How are you reacting to all that's happening round and about us? What do you feel like when you look to the future? Now, these are the tests. These are the tests of any teaching. We don't want fair weather, friends. We are living in the midst of a hurricane. We want something that helps us in the storm, when everything's gone wrong, when all things seem against us to drive us to despair. That's what we need. Well, I'm asking, have you got it? Have you found it? Are you enjoying rest and peace in your soul, in your mind, and in your heart? That's the question. Very well, now then. Let me show you how it can be obtained. That's the message that is before us. But we've got to take it in its own way. We've got to accept it as he himself puts it. And here it is. There are certain things about which we've got to be perfectly clear. And here they are in what he saw when he looked upon the multitudes. He diagnosed the whole situation. So I take as my first point the condition of mankind. What is the condition of mankind? What is the simple truth about the uh, the human race this evening, about all of us by nature? What is the state of the world at this very moment? Well, you notice what he saw when he looked at the multitudes, nearly 2,000... Long years ago was this that they were as sheep having no shepherd that was the truth then but I am here to remind you that it is equally true of the world now now there again is one of these fundamental points which the gospel always emphasizes there are so many people who say oh well of course I agree your gospels are very beautiful they're very wonderful but your Jesus he lived nearly 2000 years ago And we are in this modern world and everything is so different. My dear friend, the answer is there is nothing different. He looked out 1961 years ago, a little less than that. He looked at the masses milling about. He looked at men and women as they were in life. And this is what he saw. And my message is that he sees exactly the same thing at this moment. It's as true tonight. As it was in the days of his flesh. The first thing the gospel would have us learn is this, in other words. That life is always the same. That man is always the same. The first thing we've got to get rid of is this ridiculous notion of development and progress. Because it doesn't affect the real problem, the real situation. I know it's brought us many benefits. We've got many gadgets which our forefathers didn't have, but we're not discussing that. We're not here to discuss comforts. We are here to discuss the whole problem of life and living ourselves and our future and our destiny. And when you come to that, of course, there is no difference at all. The world, you see, is not listening to the gospel tonight because it feels this is old fashioned, out of date, the old, old story. And look at the things that have happened since and all the advance and the development. Rubbish, says the gospel. It's still the same. The multitudes are identical tonight with what they were in the time when our Lord was here literally in the flesh in this world. Very well, let's get rid of that foolish and ridiculous notion. There is nothing new in the human predicament at this moment. There is nothing new in the human... Ah, but you said they haven't got to fight this problem of the bombs... My dear friend, don't misunderstand me when I say it. You know, that is almost an irrelevance in this matter. They have their problems in a physical sense. I'm not discussing them. I'm discussing the problems of the soul. Man himself as a being, as a living entity, in his relationship to his fellow men and women, and above all to God. And there, there is not the slightest change. I want to prove my contention to you, and alas, I can do it but too easily. Our Lord looked out upon the multitude then, and he's looking out upon the multitude tonight. What did he see? And here's the answer. Sheep. Sheep. But dear me, says the modern man, this is utterly insulting. The modern man doesn't think of himself as a sheep. Why, he's the man of reason. He's the philosopher. He's the man with logic, with brain, understanding. No, no, says the Lord, sheep, and you know what is always said about sheep, sheep are the most foolish of all creatures. That's the characteristic of the sheep, folly, rushing madly, not knowing where they're going. That's the characteristic of sheep. But that is our Lord's view. That is what he saw when he looked out upon the multitude in the days of his flesh. That is what he sees as he looks down upon the world tonight. He sees a crowd of sheep. Foolish creatures.
1: Rushing hither
0: and thither. Not knowing where they're going or what they're doing. Sheep. Now here you see is obviously a very vital matter we're always up against this problem, our view of men. What is our view of ourselves this evening? If you take the view of the world, well, of course, you'll be full of self-congratulation. You'll talk about men's extraordinary powers and abilities and all he's been able to do, how he's harnessed. All these powers, these wonderful things, you take him round the museums, you show the progress of the century. You say, that's man. What a wonderful person man is. And how endless are his inventions and his achievements. That's the view the world takes of itself. But don't you think it's about time we begin to question that and to query that? Doesn't the state of our world cause us to pause and to put up an occasional query? If man is so marvelous and so wonderful and has developed so much... Why is his world as it is tonight? Why the tension and the strain and the alarm and the dread possibilities. Don't you think it's about time we began to re-examine our view of men? He calls upon us to do so. You start with yourself. And here is his answer. Sheep. And it's true of all men. Not merely of some. You say, oh yes, he looked round in those days and he saw them as sheep. But you're going back nearly 2,000 years. And they hadn't got our educational advantages. They hadn't our knowledge and information. Surely this isn't true now. Well, here I am, I say again, just to emphasize that it's equally true. And true of all men. Your greatest men, according to the computation and estimation of the world, they're just sheep, all of them. You're brilliant thinkers. They're sheep, they're foolish. I'm going to show you how and in what respect. It is universally true. But they're not only sheep, he says. He goes on and describes the condition of these sheep. They fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep without a shepherd. Now, here we come, of course, to a detailed uh, description of the human condition, as it was then, as it is tonight. And can you imagine a more perfect description of our modern world, our much vaunted civilization, than these very words? The multitudes, what are they like tonight? Are they not as... Those who are fainting and scattered abroad, as sheep without a shepherd. Now, these words that are translated here, "faint and scattered abroad," are very interesting words. Our authorized translation version here isn't the best; it's good, but there are better. Uh, there are better translations that, because there are meanings and shades of meaning in the words here, which we must bring out. Faint and uh, scattered abroad. Fainted and uh, were scattered abroad. But here's a better translation. Harassed. Harassed and helpless. Here's another. Mangled and thrown to the ground. It's a strong word, this. Flung to the ground. Scattered abroad. Yes, flung to the ground in a violent action. Mangled and thrown to the ground. Or another distress, and prostrate, lying in a condition of utter helplessness. Now that is what our Lord saw when he looked down out upon the multitudes. And this is, I say, his message to the world this evening. As he looks upon the world, he still sees the same. He looks upon the masses, the millions, the teeming millions in all the countries of the world tonight. And that is what he sees. He sees that they're fainting and they're scattered abroad, Harassed and helpless, mangled and thrown to the ground, flung down, weary and having lost heart. Now, here is something that is obviously quite fundamental to us. What does it mean? Let me put it to you in the form of biblical principles. This is a picture. Our Lord often spoke in such pictures. But what do we read in the picture? What is the picture meant to convey to us? Well, it says something like this. Here's a great word which sums it all up in the Old Testament. All we like sheep have gone astray. You look at a crowd of sheep. Look at them. They're panting. They're blowing. They're thin. What's the matter with them? They haven't had enough food. And they're all bedraggled. And some of them have been snatched at. And some of them are lying down. Their bodies mangled. And others of them are there panting on the ground. What's the matter with them? And here's the answer of the Bible everywhere. This is what it tells us about men. And this is the only adequate explanation of the state of the world. The world is as it is tonight because all we like sheep have gone astray. We've escaped from our master, from our owner. That's what the Bible calls sin. That's what it means by its great doctrine of the fall, which you get at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. You see, man's a creature who's strayed. He's gone away. He's gone away from where he ought to be. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. The foolish sheep. Have you ever watched a shepherd handing sheep? Why are they so mad? Instead of going along the road, one of them sees a, a little gap in the hedge and off he goes and the others all go after. They're always going here or there. How difficult it is to keep them together as if they knew better. Foolish sheep. Handel got it, of course. You've heard the Messiah, haven't you? You remember the music he put to those words, all we like sheep have gone astray? You see them nodding their silly heads and rushing one after the other without knowing what they're doing. How perfectly he represents it in his music and how true it is. But that's mankind. You see, my dear friends, you and I were never meant to be as we are tonight. The world wasn't meant to be like this. This isn't the world as God created it. This is what man's made of it, and what man is still making of it. And people talk about God and ask their questions of God. Blaming the shepherd whom the sheep have neglected and turned away from and escaped from. And gone their own ways, every one of them, in his own headstrong, foolish, idiotic manner. But here's the trouble. That's how he saw as he looked down and looked upon them. And it is the message this evening. It's true of the whole world. It's true of us one by one as individuals. If only the whole world lived to the glory of God tonight, there'd be no tension. There'd be no problem. There'd be no need of conferences. The world would be perfect. And it's true, I say, individually. We'd all be happy if we just lived as we should, to the glory of God and to his praise. But we don't. We are self-willed, self-assured, think we know, turn our backs upon him, laugh at the book, his own book, his laws. We desecrate them. We know better. Modern man and his assertion of his ability and power and that he knows he can make a perfect world. We don't need God. That's what's being taught us, isn't it, still? And look what's happened as the result of it. It's the explanation of it. The world is as it is because we all are like sheep and we've all gone astray. We've done it deliberately. We've done it in our own self-will and in our pride. But unfortunately, that isn't the end of the story. That's bad enough. We bring a great deal of our miseries upon ourselves. Our ultimate misery is entirely due to our own personal disobedience of God. But it doesn't stop at that. You see, this is where the folly of the sheep comes in. Away they escape from their shepherd who looks after them. And what happens to them? Ah, then you see they become subject to all sorts of other agencies that are going to take advantage of them in their lust and strayed condition. What are these? Well, now here's the great business of life, isn't it? This is what is so true of the whole world this evening. You see, the moment these sheep have got away from the shepherd, they are subject to the whims and fancies of thieves and robbers. They have no longer got the protection of their shepherd. And anybody who wants... To come along and to steal them is able to do so. Our Lord describes that in the 10th chapter of John that I put to you. Thieves and robbers, these people who are thinking of themselves rather than of the sheep. You see, because we've departed from God, we expose ourselves to certain other agencies that are inimical to us and our best interests. What are they? Well, I can't keep you. I'm only giving you some general headings this evening. But there are many of them. Above all is the one who is called the devil, Satan. Here is one who is anxious to steal the sheep of God and has done so and has mastered them and has become the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Here he is, the prince of the world of this present age. He's got hold of these sheep and he's handling them and abusing them to his own satisfaction. Ah, but these sheep are not only... At the mercy of thieves and robbers, dogs and wolves and other predatory animals come along. And here they are without protection and they're caught and they're attacked and harassed and mangled and half killed and often even killed itself. Dogs and wolves, I say, and various other creatures. Now then, this is the picture. That's the picture that our Lord saw. He looked out upon the multitudes and what did he see? Well, he just saw them fainting and scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And oh, I ask you, isn't this a perfect description of the world tonight? Stop for a moment, look, look round and listen. What do you hear? Well, what I hear is, in the words of a poet, the still sad music of humanity. Don't you hear the agony? Don't you hear the strain? Don't you hear the trouble? What, what am I talking about? Well, I say that we are responsible partly ourselves for our condition. And then because of that, we are under the power of the devil. And because we are under his power, other things work against us, other men, other people, how they upset us and how they cause troubles and tragedies. The world is full of heartache this evening because of this. These are the forces that are attacking these stray sheep. And then there are for- forces and factors Not always human, not even animal, outsiders. What are they? Well, look at the world tonight. What's the matter with it? Why is it as it is? Oh, it's because of wars. It's because of threat of war. It's because of the international situation. The world is in trouble. It doesn't know. It doesn't understand. It's unhappy. Isn't it like these sheep, harassed and helpless? Mangled and thrown to the ground. Distressed and prostrate Can't you see it? Concern about the future. Fear of death. Sorrows and trials and temptations. And sins and disappointments. This is life, my friends. This is the true description of life. It isn't the life shown, of course, in the pictures. It isn't that which is... Put in some of the popular newspapers, but it's the truth. It's the picture that is given here. And surely any man who thinks at all has got to admit that this is true. How has life dealt with you? How do you feel this evening? I say, how are you standing up to it all? Not only the international situation, but your own personal life. You still got your chastity and your purity? Have you still got your innocence? Are you still perfectly at ease? Are there no problems worrying you and trying you? How do you face all this? How do you react to it all? Well, according to our Lord's teaching, this is the picture. The human race is like sheep, scattered abroad, mangled, harassed, bewildered, perplexed. Oh, the greatest dramatists even have seen this. The slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. A sea of troubles. Aren't we in the midst of them? A sea of troubles. Isn't the whole rest tonight like this crowd of harassed, driven, perplexed sheep? What's it lead to? Well, here the terms are obvious. I needn't keep you. They're bewildered. Have you ever seen a flock of sheep like this without a shepherd? They've gone astray and there they are. No one looking after them. Have a look at them. What do you see? Bewilderment. Fear and excitement. Have a look at them. There they are. They don't know what they do, and These forces are after them. They're utterly bewildered. And isn't the whole world bewildered tonight? Has there ever been an age of more bewilderment than this present age? With all our boasting about our advances, men and women are bewildered. They don't know where they are. They don't know what to do. Harassed. What's coming next? When you're on the verge of settling, something again goes wrong. Constantly being attacked and disturbed and harassed. No adequate food. Why? Well, because you don't know where to find it. The sheep don't know. They think they do, but they don't. They go away from the green pastures. They go away to some wilderness, and there isn't adequate food there. And there's no one to direct them, and no one to help them. So they're thin. They haven't had enough food. They don't know where to go. And they're being attacked, I say, on all hands. And thus, you see, the end result is mangled, bruised, frustrated, weary, and without God and without hope in the world. So they're thin. They haven't had enough food. They don't know where to go. And they're being attacked, I say, on all hands. And thus, you see, the end result is mangled, bruised, frustrated, weary. And without God and without hope in the world. And crying out in a final despair. What's the use of anything? There's no sense. There's no meaning. It's all mad. Life is a tale told by an idiot signifying nothing. Everything's wrong. There's no purpose in it. That's what some of the greatest minds have come to as their conclusion. It's all, you see, because they're bewildered. Because they're harassed. Because they're attacked. Because they're not given an adequate supply of food and nourishment. And oh, how life attacks us. Haven't you known something of the mangling? Don't you know what it is to be torn by sin? Haven't you felt the power of passion and temptation snatching at you and taking something out of you and leaving you? Lying on the ground in shame and not knowing how to lift up your head. That's life. Like sheep without a shepherd, fainting, scattered abroad, cast down, robbed, empty, thin, Not what we were meant to be. Isn't this the truth? My dear friend, I put it to you as I pass along. Isn't this true of you? Isn't it true of all of us? Isn't this true about our individual lives by nature? Isn't it true about the whole situation of the world this evening? Have you realized your desperate need? You can't be a Christian without realizing your need. No man has ever turned to Christ unless he's realized the truth of this diagnosis. So I ask you, in the name of God, to face yourself your own soul, and your condition at this very moment. But that is the condition. He saw the multitude, and he was moved with compassion. Why? Well, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep. But why do they ever come into this condition? I've already partly answered the question. The ultimate answer is that they're without a shepherd, having no shepherd. And that means without anyone to guide them, without anyone to lead them without anyone to show them where to go and what to do. That's the trouble. They're in this position and are attacked and are weak and empty and so because they haven't got a shepherd. But you say, is that true? Well, here is the next statement of the gospel. The world is as it is tonight because it is without a shepherd. It's the condition, I say again, of strayed sheep. No shepherd. But you say, surely this is impossible. This is, I say once more, the fundamental proposition of the gospel. There is nothing and no one on the human level who can help us at all. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? Here is the statement. They are as sheep without a shepherd. What you say, but surely you're not saying that about all the great philosophers of all the ages and modern philosophers, I am. No leadership. They're not able to help us. Now that is the statement of this gospel. It's essential to it. And the world I'm suggesting to you proves it this very evening. If there are leaders amongst men who can understand and solve the problem in the name of God, why don't they do so? But there are none. They're all lost cheap themselves. There is none that understands. No, not one, says the Apostle Paul. All we like sheep have gone astray, and it includes everybody. It's a universal statement. Turn where you will tonight and try and discover an answer and you won't get it. The world has no answer whatsoever. All who came, he says, apart from me are thieves and robbers. In what respect? Well, I say they can't give leadership. They claim they can And people go after them and spend their money and give it to them, but they can't lead them anywhere. Where are they leading them? Into another bog. They don't know the way out themselves. What don't they know? Well, I say they've no knowledge rarely as to the meaning of life. Take your great philosophers. They know nothing about the real meaning of life. They put up very clever theories, but the others disagree with them and they don't know. They're utterly bankrupt. Some say that man's just an animal and no more. Doesn't matter very much what he does then. The law of the jungle comes back. Let a man obey his instincts. That's what they believe about men. And they want to preserve a life like that. But it means, you see, that they don't know the meaning of life. But another thing they don't know is this. Go to them and ask them tonight, why the world is as it is? What's the cause of it all? Go and put this question to them. In spite of all our great advances in knowledge, and especially in the last hundred years, when men has become so educated and enlightened, Why is the world as it is now? The countries have never been so well educated. They've never known one another so intimately. And yet look at the world. Why this awful crisis which is hanging over us all and causing this bewilderment. Go and ask anybody who doesn't believe this gospel. And he just doesn't know. They're utterly bewildered and they're honest enough, most of them, to admit it. How can they lead? Can the blind lead the blind? No, they'll both fall into the ditch, as our Lord said. They don't understand the nature of our problem. They have no explanation of the present condition. They're without a shepherd. There isn't a shepherd among them. Some of them claim to be shepherds, but they're not. They're sheep, and they're as foolish as the others, though they've got a certain amount of knowledge. And again, they don't know what's good for us, and they don't know where to find it. You'll often find a kind of leader amongst strayed sheep. He thinks he's seen a bit of good grass somewhere, and off he goes, and they all go after him, but there's nothing there. Oh, where can we find the food? Where can we find satisfaction? Where can I get knowledge that will give me an understanding of what's happening to me and to the whole world? Where can I get an answer to all my questions? Where is the final solution to man and his eternal destiny? Where is it? I look to men and I don't find it. They don't know. And the result is, you see, there's no rest. No rest. Poor world, how restless It is this evening, so frightened, so harassed, so mangled, utterly restless, trying to forget its problems by delving and jumping into pleasure, drinking itself into a state of semi-consciousness, drugging itself. That's what it's doing. It's the confession of restlessness. It can't sit down and be still. It knows no peace. Why, well, these other forces, the thieves and robbers and dogs and wolves and all these powers are after us, and we're rushing hither and thither. This man, ah, here's the solution. We go after him, but he hasn't got it. And here we are. There's no rest. There is no peace. No protection. No protection against the attacks. What can we do? How can I live? How can I die? What's going to happen to me? Is there nowhere where I can find refuge? And there isn't. There's no protection. The sheep are without a shepherd. Nobody's got anything to say to help us. So that finally I say that there is no hope at all and no hope of anything better. The world is as hopeless tonight as it's ever been. Don't you hear it? Don't you feel it? In the very atmosphere. We're like a crowd of frightened sheep. Frightened, terrified, alarmed. Not knowing, not understanding, in utter bewilderment, and no one has a word to speak to us. Oh, it's as true tonight as it was when our Lord uttered the words nearly 2,000 years ago. There is no shepherd, no politician or statesman, no philosopher or thinker. No man understands. No man can give us the rest and the peace we require in our minds and in our hearts. No man can enable us to face the ultimate questions. Life, death, what lies beyond, there's no word. And we are left in our own bewilderment, harassed, mangled, torn, cast down, flung to the ground. Oh, that's the story of human nature. That's how most people go out of this world, in darkness and hopelessness and despair. Not knowing life has robbed them and kicked them and bruised them. They're hurt, they're broken, their hearts are bleeding. That's how most people die. And it's, I say, because we're all by nature as sheep without a shepherd. There's the diagnosis of the condition of men and the explanation of why it is as it is. But my dear friends, I wouldn't have come into this pulpit just to say that, you know. I think that needs to be said. It's got to be said. But I'm here to say this. That there is a hope. And there is only one. He saw the multitudes. And when he saw them, He was moved with compassion. Here is one who stands outside it, you see, he isn't one of them. He doesn't belong to the multitude. He's entirely different. He looks on. And he sees the truth. And because he sees it, he's moved with compassion. And he does something about it. Well, here's the question. Who is this? Who is this who can look on upon the whole human race and have compassion at all? Here is no mere man, my friend. Man can't do it. He's one of the sheep. And he's foolish. And he's gone astray like a foolish sheep. And he's as harassed and perplexed as anybody else. And he has to admit it at long last. No, no. Here's the message. Here's the hope. Here's the gospel. Here is one who stands in the world as a man, as it were, and looks on and yet has compassion and is moved. Who is this? Here is the one who says, I am the good shepherd. Here's the message of the gospel. Here is the only word of hope in this world tonight. The eternal Son of God has been in this world. It was he who looked on and saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion. Here is one who's come from the bosom of eternal God in heaven and has entered into this world of time amongst us, into our predicament, has come to do something about us because we are as sheep gone astray, wounded, harassed, bruised, mangled, cast to the ground. This is the message of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Thank God that there is such a message tonight. Here's the thing to listen to and to concentrate upon. In our human predicament with all our failure and no one to lead us and to guide us. Listen. God has sent someone. The sheep has lost. He sent a shepherd to possess us and to pen us and to put us into a fold and a flock and to do for us all we need. And the one he sent is his own dearly beloved, only begotten Son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, that's what I'm doing here. That's my business. We sang the hymn and I was singing it from the depths of my soul. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. Here is the one. Yes, assist me to proclaim the honors of thy name. My dear friend, had you realized that this is the message? The Son of God has been in this world. Stop talking about your men for a moment. I'm tired of them all. Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, Philip of Macedon, all of them together, great men, but they came to nothing. And everybody who's lived ever since, put them all into the same category, and all your philosophers with them, they've all tried and they've all failed. I'm not saying that by way of criticism, we've all failed, every one of us, but I'm not here to talk about men. I'm tired of your modern men, your Khrushchevs, your Kennedys, and all the rest of them. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the name that is above every other name. The Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. Well, what's he doing in this world, you say? Why did he ever come into it? Why was he ever born as a babe in Bethlehem? I'll tell you the answer. He looked down over the ramparts of heaven. He looked as if as it were through the windows of heaven into this world which his father had made so perfectly. And what did he see? Oh, he saw the multitudes. And as he saw them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd, he was moved with compassion They didn't deserve it. They were rebels. They'd been foolish. They'd gone astray deliberately. But though they'd rebelled against his father, he was moved with compassion. And he turned to his father and he said, Here I am. Send me. I'm going down for those sheep. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to deliver them out of the hands that have got them and all these enemies that are attacking them. I'm going to win them back. And so he came. He saw the multitudes like this and he was moved with compassion. And so he emptied himself of this insignia of his everlasting and eternal glory and took unto him human nature and came into this terrible world of sin and shame and sorrow and death, entered into life. And what for? Well, here it is, I say, in order to rescue us. And listen to what he's done. The good shepherd, he says, leth, down his life, giveth his life for the sheep. The sheep have got to be bought back for their rightful master and owner. They've gone astray and false persons have possessed them, the thieves and the robbers. And they must be bought back. And he came into the world in order to buy us back. He said... The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life for ransom for many, to buy them out of the market, to buy them back to God. The Good Shepherd, he says, is the same picture. Lays down his life for the sheep, and he did so. In order to rescue us and redeem us, the blessed Son of God took our sins and guilt upon himself, laid down his life. He said, no man taketh it from me. I laid down myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. And he's done so. But he came into this world deliberately in order to die for us. Our only hope is that we be restored to our rightful owner. We belong to God. And all our troubles have come upon us because we've strayed from God and have got into the wrong possession, have become the creatures of the devil, the goods of the devil, and we must be bought back. From the devil and from the condemnation of the law. And from all that is against us. And the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. That's why we're going to eat the bread and the wine. It's preaching the death of Christ. The son of God dying that we might be delivered and might be restored to the ownership of God. That's what he came for and that's what he's done. And having brought us back to God. He puts us into a new fold. He's got a sheepfold. He puts us in it. It's the church, if you like. And what else does he do? Well, we are told that he leads us out, in and out, and finds pasture. He knows where the pasture is. And he leads us out to it. What is it? Well, I find a great deal of it in this book. He has wonderful pasture. I've been eating this now for many years. And you know my appetite is greater than ever. I want more and more of it. Here's food for the soul. Here's understanding of life and death and of eternity. Here I know the truth about myself. Here I see myself as a soul. Here I see myself bigger than life. I say let the life, let the world be exploded to nothing. I still go on as the creature, the child of God and the heir of everlasting bliss. Food in and out. And find pasture, satisfaction, food and drink and all I need for the whole of my personality and rest and peace. Knowing that when you're in that fold, the blessed shepherd himself is lying at the gate. Nothing will be allowed to come in apart from him. Rest, peace. The end of the vain search The end of being harassed and driven hither and thither. And not knowing where I am and becoming frantic. Rest. To know that I am safely in the hands of the Son of God. And that God is my owner and my Father. Peace. Peace with God. Peace within. Security. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And even in this world as it is tonight, an absolutely certain hope with respect to my eternal future. I become a stranger in this world when I belong to God. I say with the Apostle Paul, our citizenship is in heaven. Not here, it's there. That's where I belong, to that realm which is coming. And I know this, you see, that it doesn't matter who attacks me. From whatever direction, whatever his power, I can say this. I am persuaded, I am certain, that neither death, nor something which is even worse than death, life, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us From the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all right. Once he's brought you back and you belong to God, you're safe. And safe for all eternity. No man shall be able to pluck them out of his hands. It's the hand of God. And one is eternally safe. Very well, my friends, there is the message of the gospel. Have you heard it? Do you know it? Do you believe it? Are you enjoying it? I can test you. Listen to what he says in that tenth chapter of John's gospel. He puts it all very plainly to us. He says, hear and the sheep, hear his voice. You see, there are false shepherds. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way. The same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Oh my dear friend, in this harassing, perplexing, bewildering hour in which we are alive, I want to ask you a few simple questions. Do you hear his voice? Have you heard his voice? The sheep hear his voice? Have you heard it? Come, let me be more particular. He calleth his own sheep by name. Have you heard him? Have you heard him calling you by your own name? In the anguish of your soul, when you felt utterly lonely and bereft, when all your friends seem to have forsaken you, and you feel that you're utterly lonely and that life has kicked you and bitten you and hurt you and mangled you and flung you to the ground as something useless, they're panting in your dire agony when you think everybody's forgotten you and left you. Have you heard him calling you by your own name? That's the test. Has the Son of God told you that he's died for you? Listen to him, my dear friend. I believe he's using my feeble lips and voice this evening to speak to you. Listen to his voice. Turn to him and say, Oh, speak, I pray thee, gentle Jesus. Oh, how passing sweet thy words, breathing o'er my troubled spirit peace, which never earth affords. All the world's distracting vices, all its enticing tones of ill, at thine accents mild, melodious, as of doom. And all is still. Stop for a moment. Turn off your wireless. Stop your television. Throw your papers away. Stop reading your novel. Stop reading everything. Stop listening to the men who are addressing you. Just stop for a moment, I say, in utter silence. Listen to the whisper of his voice. He calleth his own sheep. By name. Listen to him and you'll hear him speaking to you. And telling you that he's loved you with an everlasting love. That he went to the death of the cross for you. That he's borne all your guilt and all your punishment. That the price has been paid and that you've become a child of God. Listen to him. Listen to him. He says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Do you know him? Can you say tonight in the midst of the storm, Jesus Lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly, while the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Do you know him? Oh, I plead with you, listen to him, listen to him speaking tonight, believe what he's been saying to you through my words, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them And they follow me. They stop going astray. They stop living that worldly life. They stop listening to the men of the world and their own understanding. They stop it all. They follow him. Listen to him tonight and go after him. He's been through it all. He's conquered it all. He came through victorious of a life Over the devil, over death, over the grave, over hell. He's risen triumphant. Listen to him. Hear his voice. Follow him. Go after him. And you'll find that he'll care for you. He'll protect you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you out and give you pasture. He'll be with you in the most awful agonies of life. And you'll spend a glorious eternity Basking in the sunshine of his face. Listen to his voice. Say to him, speak. Speak in the stillness. Speak, I pray thee, gentle Jesus. Tell me thou art mine, O Savior. Grant an assurance clear.
1: Banish all my dark
0: misgivings. Speak to him. Ask him. And as certainly as you do so out of an honest heart, he will hear your voice and you in turn will hear his blessed voice. The good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Amen.